Hey everyone, Harrison here. Uh, before we get into this week's issue of the show, um, it didn't feel right to open the show with all the bells and whistles. You know, the show always starts with that funny clip of talking about how the world sucks. Uh, but this week, it sucks, but in a way that I don't think that we've been forced to grapple with, in, in my lifetime at least. Um, we experienced, in, in my lifetime, the, the biggest hate crime uh, committed against um, AAPI people that I've ever witnessed, against AAPI women. This country's yet again shown its disgusting face. And what happened in Georgia this week, despite what the media would lead you to believe, despite what I think your president, who has really, really dragged his feet on calling this a hate crime, despite what the police in Georgia will have you believe, this was a hate crime. And this was the product of things like the constant stoking of racist anti-China sentiment by both Donald Trump and President Joe Biden. It was the product of fetishization of fetishization, sorry. It was the product of fetishization of Asian women in Western culture. It was the product of the demonization of sex work. And the President of the United States spent the day following the attack tweeting about fucking St. Patrick's Day. The media was fucking ready at the drop of a hat to lick its lips at a chance to use this opportunity to demonize sex work. Now look, I've seen a lot of language around this this week. I've seen a lot of language avoiding calling this what it is. And I've seen a lot of language referring to hate and racism and these kind of things as a virus in our society. These are not illnesses. These are lessons taught or not taught. They are examples set. These are things ingrained in the very fabric of the society that we live in. Ask your neighbor what they learned in school about the rail, how the railroads in this country were built and who was exploited. Ask your neighbor what their teachers called the camps the Japanese Americans were sent to during World War II. Did they call them concentration camps? I, I don't think so. I've been asking around. These things, these things are what feed the climate that surrounds these events. These are what lead these things to be possible. They're the very stepping stones that bring us here. And until every other white person knows about this history, we will continue this cycle. It is on us to learn and to educate. It is on us to listen to the communities impacted and then act in their political interest to dismantle the systems that continue to allow these things to happen with more frequency over and over again. It's on white people to do the work, to dismantle these things, to step back, to listen. It's not other people's job to fucking educate. This year alone, Hate crimes against Asian people in the U.S. were up 150%, and the disparity between men and women is staggering, with women experiencing 2.3 times as many hate crimes as men. Something has to be done. Change has to come. And real change. Systemic change. I would just like to take a moment to say the names of those that were slain this week, murdered by hate. Zhao Zitan, Dao Yufeng, 
Delania Yan, Paul Andre Michels, Soon Chung Park, Hyun Jung Grant, Yong Ye Yu, and Soon Cha Kim. This week at the end of the show, we will be providing resources of how you can directly connect with and aid these communities' impacted resources for you to do your part to support our AAPI brothers and sisters in their time of need and to ensure that shit like this never fucking happens again. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. The world sucks. And in order to alleviate the slow creeping insanity in the back of my skull, I've decided to just get on the internet and go hog fucking wild in an attempt at world domination that while it might probably not work out, it's still better to do than spiral into the empty insanity that is the normal world. So yeah, that covers about it really. Good night to all you guys, gals, and non-binary pals. It is Saturday, March 20th, 2021, and this is issue number two of Super Mind Exploder, the weekly audio magazine that covers all the bullshit that happens in the world and on the World Wide Web throughout the week. My name is Harrison, and uh, just a quick thank you to our generous sponsor, Water. Mmm, can't get enough of that good old stuff. Man, what to even talk about this week? Um, I don't know, I actually thought that I would just talk about social media. Because I'm having a hard time with social media these days. I am, and it's not because I watched The Social Dilemma or some shit. I haven't watched it. Uh, but I've read a lot, in fact, from lots of people who are interviewed in that movie. And yes, I know it's bad for you. I keep doing it. Wah, 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 wah. I mean, I honestly feel like this is an extremely fucking trite thing to even try to talk about. But it's been on my mind because in an election year, in the year of a pandemic, when, you know, social media got like turned into hyperdrive in the last 12 months because it's literally all we have, I feel like it's just more relevant and prevalent than it's ever been. And yes, like, 
there's a lot of the obvious bad things like having a heroin-like addictive hit of dopamine available a potential unlimited amount of times in your back pocket. Um, and yes, it incentivizes people to lie and distort the way that they really live, what they eat, what they're reading, what they're working on, where they visited, the nice shit they have. But there's kind of like one really fucking hard element, not to mention the annoying shit. I mean, I swear to God, this week, the only fucking thing being said on Twitter over and over again was like, my bank account, $1,400, me at Applebee's, bring me the apples and the bees. Or like, my bank account, $1,400, me at dicks, give me all the dicks. And like, that literally is just all it is over and over again. Um, and anyway, all that to say, I feel like I've just really been thinking a lot lately about like, what are the big things for me that I feel like are toxic about social media? And one of them is that I think in having all of our thoughts documented, we're naturally going to have thoughts that sit in dissonance with ones we've previously had. And when there's no context to that, things start to get really hairy. Uh, let me give you an example. I have a lot of uh, pretty progressive-minded friends, uh, you know, some that are not as, as like, left-leaning as I am. You know, they'd consider themselves to be more progressive Democrats than they would, like, leftists or whatever. And that's, you know, totally cool, all gravy to each their own, to each their own tax bracket, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things is we saw during the Trump administration, like, how quick and how vicious people are willing to get it with their criticism. And we all had a lot of fun making fun of the many stupid things that Trump did. One of them being the walking down the ramp. And it's just been crazy to watch like the blatant hypocrisy in, in these same progressive Democrats or, or liberal reactions to Donald Trump, like struggling to walk down this ramp and they mock and they ridicule him and accuse him of having dementia, which he, you know, almost certainly has. But these same people have spent all fucking day on Twitter today screaming at journalists to do their fucking job and cover real news. And why are you covering this? Because Joe Biden, like, truly did the, one of the funniest, like, craziest falls I've ever seen on the steps of Air Force One. Like, all of the comments are like, do your real fuck, do like a real fucking job, journalist. Or it's people being like, actually, Joe Biden is a gifted physical comedian who is trained in farce while continuing to entertain even while he serves in his job as the president. Meanwhile, like, ignoring the fact that this man also certainly has dementia. And if you bring that up, like, you're accused of being like a fucking like Russian troll or whatever. I mean, that's just one example. That's just one example of like the blatant hypocrisy where it's becoming really tricky for me. Like, I believe these people are like relatively progressive and like they just watch them for four years call out every single hypocrisy that anybody to the right of them ever did. And yet here they are being blatantly hypocritical. Or they talk so much. I feel like I'm watching I, another trend that I'm watching a lot on social media that's fed into this is I'm watching a lot of liberals and uh, quote unquote progressives like parrot right wing talking points about like the cancellation of like your favorite Christmas song or like the scene from Greece where they're all like, tell me, did you get a fucked up first or whatever? You know what I'm talking about? Like that shit is fucked up. And I just don't think that, like, us all, like, yelling about it on social media and, like, acting like 
we're pitching a fucking book to Simon and Schuster every time we log on is really impacting anything. And the last thing that I'll add to this before I try to tie a bow on this rant monologue, who fucking knows, um, is that I just feel like a lot of it is now obligation. And we're watching people do no growths in real time by just being able to post like, uh, you know, I, I, I think like thoughts and prayers was always a joke to mock the right and their kind of like apathy towards like actually doing anything and then like feigning this like, oh, poor pitiful us, whatever. But now like, I think everything's kind of become like thoughts and prayers. Posts are meaningless. Standing with whatever like that shit it doesn't mean anything. And like, you know, you can rally against the other side all you want for doing things. But if you won't hold your own people as accountable, who cares? And all this has been kind of swirling in my brain. And I'm sure this is like truly an incoherent and annoying thing. But I just had to get it off my chest. And one last thing before I send you into the show. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. About like, how do I combat this? Because obviously, like, I don't want to log off. I've always said, like, you'll have to, like, take the Twitter from my cold, dead fucking hands. Like, I love social media. I think it's fun. So I've instated a new rule so I still can still enjoy it. And that new rule is, if I see anything that fucking annoys me, I'm not going to post about it. I'm not going to whatever. I simply am just going to log off. And look, I know I've been annoying on there. Um... I'm sure I have. I'm 100% sure I've annoyed somebody. I'm sure I maybe have annoyed somebody who's listening to this very show. In which case, I'm sorry. And I hope it didn't change your opinion of me. Because I'm going to try my best, because I'm starting to see it happen with people, or I'm starting to be like, oh, I don't know. Um, that you just extend people some grace and realize that, like, we're just fucking posting. And, like, you know, it's all good. And, and if you really are concerned about people near you and the way that they're posting and the way whatever, reach out. Sit down, have the conversations. That's how we heal. We heal through community. We grow closer through community. And we work through all these very complicated things that are plaguing our world through community. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, we got a great show for you tonight. A SpongeBob meme is here. Haim and... Governor Andrew Cuomo stops by to share his favorite pancake toppings. All that and more coming up on Supermind Explorer. Yo, 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 it's your boy Manny. <laughs> Hopefully they don't get my ass for copyright or something. Anyway, it's your boy Manny, it's your boy E-Man, it's your boy Easy e the Goon from 124, and I'm here to talk about some fucking anime, because anime is fucking awesome. So today on Anime is Fucking Awesome, we're going to be talking a little bit about one of my favorite subgenres of anime that exists to this day in this world, in this planet. God bless Japan. We're going to be talking a little bit about the isekai subgenre of anime. And I know what you're thinking there at home. You're like, 
what the fuck is what the fuck is what is an isekai? Well, that's why I'm here because I'm about to fucking tell you. An isekai is a subgenre of animes, typically, or uh, let's say Japanese media, so like novels, manga, anime, and video games, primarily that originate in Japan. That consists of a character or characters being transported to a different world. Isekai, in like a literal translation of the world, means different world, different place. So, in an isekai, people get sent to a different place, and usually they are getting sent from a world that is reminiscent of our own. So something that is like you know. Regular, regular Earth. You know, you can't fly and shit. You know, you got bills and taxes. Fuck taxes. <laughs> you got all that shit to deal with. But um, then they get sent to like a magical mystery wonderland, and it's always a good time. So the isekai that I want to highlight today is low key one of my favorite shows ever. It's called. That time I got reincarnated as a slime, or as I like to call it, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. <laughs> so that time I got reincarnated as a slime is an isekai anime about a regular, regular forty-year-old man in Japan who is going about his day one day and gets caught in a random knife attack. Ouch! That shit sucks. After his random knife attack, he finds himself in like purgatory or some shit, and he meets some god or some shit who asks him, like, uh, "What do you want to be in the next life?" And he gives like some fucking vague ass answer, and the god is like, "Okay, bitch, I'm gonna turn your ass into a fucking little ass slime." <laughs> so the man gets reincarnated in the next life after being a regular regular 40 year old human as a fucking slime and for those of you who don't know and have never played a video game or done a dungeons and dragons or you know don't know about you know fantasy lore a slime is usually the weakest type of monster that you possibly can find in the fucking world so we're going to talk a little bit about my slime friend. So as the slime, he is fucking just a literal ball of slime. So he has to figure out how to like move, how to see, how to hear. He basically has to start from square one without, you know, the human resources that we, we take so for granted, like legs and eyes and a mouth. Or, like, you know, a heart. But he's figuring it out. He's going along his way. And he meets up with a super powerful dragon. And the dragon is in a cave, the cave that he was born in or reincarnated in. And they become friends. <laughs> After he becomes friends with the dragon, the dragon grants this man some magical fucking powers by giving him a name and he named his ass Rimaru. Actually, he named his ass Rimaru Tempest. Okay. So my man's Rimaru Tempest has gone from a, a slime that couldn't see, couldn't move, couldn't talk 
And now he's got a name and he got a mouth and he's got some eyes, but he's still a slime now. So slime basically follows Rimuru Tempest and his adventures going from the lowest monster in society, in the class, in the world, and then becoming the great Rimuru Tempest at one point. And I'm not going to give too, too many spoilers. I just wanted to give a brief synopsis. Maybe if you're interested, you can check it out. It's only two seasons. I believe the first season is only about like 20 episodes. I'm not sure. I could have checked it before I made this, but you know, fuck it. We're just going to, you know, one take two and she this right. But yeah, anyway, go out, check out that time I got reincarnated as a slime. It's a great isekai. It's a great anime. I think one of the main reasons that I really fucking love anime as an art form is just the fact of the matter that, like, the characters usually are underdogs coming from some type of adversity and trying to rise up from the adversity and just make it. I think that anime mindset that most of these characters have of just working as hard as possible and just trying to grind it out so that they can beat the next enemy or so that they can surpass their limits or so that they can go fucking super saiyan. It's just, it resonates with me so much because I feel like a lot in this life is about the mindset that you take into things that when you're doing them, if you don't have a mindset where you want to surpass your limits every day and, you know, you don't want to be the greatest, it's, it's very easy to become complacent. So I think that is one of the reasons why I think anime is fucking awesome. And here are 15 random animes that you can check out, but if you didn't check out, wouldn't really hurt my feelings. Yu Yu Hakusho, Inuyasha, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super, One Piece, Full Metal Alchemist, ooh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime, the rising of shield hero, Kona Super Gods, uh, 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 Re-Zero, starting life in a new world, Black Clover, uh, uh, so I'm a spider, so what, uh, Food Wars, Dr. Stone, Heaven's Design Team, Jobless Isekai, uh, 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 Redo of Healer, ooh, 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 Your Lie in April, ooh, 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 Kakaguri, No Game, No Life, uh, 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 The Ascendance of a Bookworm, and... The last and very, 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 very last one. The Hidden Dungeon Only I, I can enter. And that about wraps up. Anime is actually fucking awesome with many. We are done today talking about the isekai subgenre of anime. Tune in on the next episode of Anime is Actually Fucking Awesome with Manny when we tackle Shonen and Shonen Jump. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a great one. And all you people 
who like to power up and raise your power levels will definitely need to tune in for that episode. All right, folks, make sure that you stay safe. Wash those hands. Surpass those limits. Don't be racist. Wash your face. All of that good shit. I'm your boy, Easy e Manny, 124Goon, uh, person, ah, signing out. This has been Anime is Actually Fucking Awesome with Manny. Harrison. Hello. Back again like I never left. Hey, hey what's yes, going on, sir. man? It's like he never what left. What the fuck is good? It's well, like dude, he was always there the whole time. You were always here. I'll tell you In what's good. Heart. I'll tell you what's good. I got fucking fired from my job today as the USA, Whoa. as the ambassador to the vibes of the United States. Because Dude, I, I heard weed. about that, man. Yeah, man. It's sad. Fuck. <laughs> I was I resigned. Moment of silence, bro. But they didn't pay you, right? Of no. course. Well, technically I resigned in disgrace. Is what sure. technically happened. Though the vibes are not disgraced. I I am resigning in disgrace. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm dis- the vibes will never be disgraced. <laughs> no, the vibes will never be disgraced, especially when I'm in charge of the vibes, you know. And like, oh. even though I'm not, I'm kind yeah. of like the cue of like vibes now. Like, okay, I won't really be in charge of vibes, but like, I'll be putting out things that maintain the vibes, you know. And so, if, if the vibes ever go south, like, you best believe we're gonna be knocking on the White House door in satire and in parody. <laughs> Fucking vibe Q Q vibe Q vibin But um dude, That shit is so funny That like in DC Like now all these like DC residents Who like totally were going to like All the donation shops And like buying like a gram for $40 Or whatever <laughs> I, I just Like are now it. getting fired from their Why oh, is that such a big deal like who is because Mac? I don't get it, Mac. Like it's literally a hop, skip, and a jump away from being legal, and it basically is in DC. It really basically yeah. is. I mean, it is in DC. It really you, is. You, it's, it's legal for recreational use. Mm-hmm. Like I can't. It's actually kind of wild. But maybe you know, they're they're trying to crack down on the uh, you know, props. fun. <laughs> yeah, right. No fun. Well, and the other thing that's like. I mean, it must be so fucking traumatic to be, like, a White House staffer these days. Like, your your colleagues are, like, getting their dick bitten off by the German Shepherd. And, like, <laughs> you can't even smoke weed to fucking unwind after. Honestly, take me back to the days when Trump was just hiring little kids to, like, mow the lawn and shit. Dude, hiring just, like, <laughs> yes, bloggers dude. to, like, hold what the a moment. <laughs> 
Yes, and dude, that kid pickle. That kid pickle, dude. Dude, pickle. Trump. Trump kept trying to distract him from mowing the lawn, and he was like, but "I had a job to do." He was locked in, boy. He, he was, was locked in, in dude. He was. <laughs> he was in the zone, man. Yeah, and what's yeah. like really sad is that like Donald Trump like truly just was like, "I'm trying to be friends with this kid. Like this is gonna heal." <laughs> he was trying to heal his inner child at that moment. He's right. like, "Maybe this kid will like me." <laughs> he was trying to. He was trying to heal the nation, man. He will was you healing. Be, will you be my son? <laughs> <laughs> Baron don't like me. Baron don't like me. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Well, and Baron, like, Baron, like, is, like, also, number one, he's, like, an anime stan, apparently. And he's also a gamer. He's, like, a big Roblox guy. What is that? What I is bet. Roblox? Is that, like, Minecraft? What? That's, like, Fortnite Junior, basically. Fortnite Junior. Like, Dude. it's the level you get to when you're, like, in sixth grade before you're in seventh grade and can play Fortnite. Like, you play Roblox. Every single kid that you know, I don't know how many kids you know, you know but every single kid. You all the kids you know? Like, think of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's different for me because, you know, I know quite a few kids. But, um... <laughs> Through work, through work, through, through work, work, through work, through work. <laughs> but dude, that's all they can fucking talk about is Roblox. Yeah, and I, I heard it. The company just went public, bro. It like, it's like a billion dollar company, bro. Off of that one stupid wow. ass little like computer game app bullshit. Well, same with Fortnite. Like the amount of people who play Fortnite and like, I think the game Fortnite has really only been out for like a couple of years, mm-hmm. and like to think. Well, you know, that new season just came out. Did you have you been playing any Fortnite, Emmanuel? We we've been you know, we've been dabbling in the we've primal. Been... I've been trying to trying to get my <laughs> ball game up. <laughs> yeah, the primal guns are fun. I just like and you have to wait through that whole cut scene and it's just mm-hmm. like they they absolutely bludgeon you with every cultural reference that they possibly can. And it's But like, like think of Think about like the the Terminator references that uh, Fortnite has been making and shit. I'm like, dude, right. like none of these kids know what that is. Right. They don't know who this is. No. Who is no your way. target? Who is your target? Dude, Lara right. Croft, like you're talking about like kids who like probably have no idea what have no frame of reference for Tomb Raider even. Like and this mm-hmm. is their first introduction to those things. Alien, like Predator. Alien, right. Like, no, this, no can't wait to get that Sigourney Weaver skin. Fucking um, God of War. Yeah, like none right? of these kids know. They don't know. Fortnite is basically every video game. You know, it's like the generic every game. I feel like Fortnite is going to become like the Disney or Epic is going to become the Disney of the video game world, the uh, video game sphere. Absolutely. Well, they just bought the company that owns Fall Guys last week or two weeks yeah. ago or something like that. Oh my God! It, Watch. It, <laughs> Again, among the, us next. Among right, Fortnite is just the perfect amalgamation of triggering all your dopamine centers and your like adrenaline <clears throat> at once. Mm-hmm. You know when you it gets really panicked. It gets panicked. You end. get panicked. Yeah, and you're like, oh my goodness, my blood feels so good. <laughs> Dude, you get Panda Express in that bitch. Oh I yeah, palpitations. <laughs> <laughs> orange post orange chicken fortnite adrenaline mm. niacin rush is my new band <laughs> lp out next month lp out next month bruv
Dude. You think you think people are finally uh, you know, fed up with Papa Joe? <laughs> I do think people that I've talked to who who like Joe are like always putting caveats now. Like, you know, it's really nice that like we're, you know, getting the vaccine and like really rolling it out, but like don't love everything about the guy and I'm like Dude, the one that I love. Yeah, that that's yeah. <laughs> the one that I love is just like, and I feel like it's actually like, uh, you know, it's how you can really, it's how I'm really starting to tell like where the differences are and where the, the split is in the party because you get that yeah, or you get like, you know, it's really hard to be the president. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, th- and then I'm like one of the most fucking incompetent people possibly alive just did it for four years. I don't think it's that hard. Well, and also I'm like hard in what terms? Hard in like you have to like put in effort to get things done. Hard in like. I, I just people don't will expect you to keep your promises. Like people are going to hold you accountable. What's so hard about saying something and sticking to what you said? Accountability, like, right? What's the quote, Harrison? Accountability. Accountability feels like an attack when you're not ready to hear it. Right. Ooh. And that's the tease. And like, there's so much like answering for America's. DNA and their original sin and all of the American sins that are constantly mm. with us culturally and these politicians just really are um uh, yeah yeah missing it. I mean really missing it. This fucking way guy, missing it. <laughs> this fucking guy like this fucking guy like there there was like a mass hate crime in the country and this fucking guy like Posted a picture with him with, like, shamrocks in his pockets, being, like, thinking about my ancestors today. Like, boy, what? I know. I'm, like, and, and, like, on top of that, man, I'm just disappointed with, like, this entire administration because, like, I do really feel like we just got, like, completely fucking fleeced. Like, they played... They played everybody for a fool, and they're going to continue to do this game mm-hmm. where they act like the hot dog meme, where it's like, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Emmanuel? Honestly, dude, I think this administration, uh, you know, the last administration was very polarizing. I think this administration might break that polarization because now, People, I mean, like with this pandemic, people don't have things to distract them. People are tuned, mm. locked the fuck in. Yeah. We're watching you, bitch. Yeah. You said $2,000 checks. Mm-hmm. You said we get Georgia, we get 2000 Bitch, we got Georgia, I got fourteen. And What's I didn't going get on? it immediately. Yep. And I did not get it immediately like you fucking said that I was going to do. The Warnock bitch poster. March. Oh, the Warnock poster the is Warnock the most jokerifying War- <laughs> thing in the whole world. The check that literally has $2,000 on it. And it's like, if you vote for me, you get this. And what really sucks about that is that he was like the cool and good one of the two of the senators yeah. that ran in Georgia. Yeah. Like, because John Ossoff is like a centrist, like, little shit who's like, I am not going to, like, break the filibuster. I'm not going to, like, raise them uh, or do Medicare for all. I donated to the Warnock. Yeah, he rocked. Yeah. To the but it's Warnock. It's like, why, why promise change and not 
deliver. Well, and I think it's like this fundamental misconception, which we're always kind of, or this fundamental misunderstanding of America, which we're always circling. And I think it's the biggest problem in the Democratic Party, which is like, I think the Democrats have this really bizarre fixation on like the uh, the election of Barack Obama as like the ultimate uh, pinnacle and he- complete and total healing of all uh, divides, racial and otherwise in America. <laughs> And I think that everything else they just, like, see as, like, just residual damage, you know? Like, Mm. they're never treating anything with any kind of urgency. And also, like, at the end of the day, like, it's a party that's beholden to capitalism, Mm. you know? Mm. And, like, like, as long as that isn't – as long as that is – at the forefront, it's always going to be a party of white supremacy that is kind of just spending the time performing equality – and performing, like, healing and performing transformation mm. far more than they ever will be a party enacting it because they actually don't give a shit because at the end of the day, um, they, don't, they don't care about, like, anybody's, the color of anybody's skin. They care about the fucking value of everybody's money. Yeah. And, like, yeah. that's going to be at the front always. And, like, you know, capitalism oh. is naturally oppressive and it's always going to pick upon and prey upon othering and on... Um, using that othering to then create different like casts socially, and so I just feel like as long as that's always at the forefront, we're we're gonna be dealing with these issues. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. You hate to fucking see it though, <laughs> and as long as it's you a bunch of fucking, fucking like, as long as it's a bunch of like fucking, as long as the country's run by fucking old white people who drank out of segregated water fountains, like we're not gonna get anywhere. Like, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying, dude? Like. I hate. No, I I hear you. I hear you, bro. I hate. But it's like, how do we how do we shake that shit up? We, yeah. you know what I mean. I'm like, damn, bro. We I thought we could shake it up. You know, yeah. you got your AOCs, but then you now I'm looking at AOC. I'm like, you doing a lot of tweeting, and you oh, know, uh, not a lot of not a lot of 2000ing. <laughs> you know, I need more 2000ing, less tweeting. Mm. More 2000ing, less tweeting. You guys have the House, Senate, and the presidency. There's no excuses anymore. There's Come no excuses now. other than we didn't want to do it. We chose to listen to the Senate parliamentarian. We, you know, like, you didn't, didn't have to do these things. And, frankly, the cold hard facts of the matter are, if the Republicans get a hold of the, the three branches of government again... It's over. It's over. It's game over. It's lights out. No Democrat will ever win again because they'll rig the game. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we're at a place in American culture where, like, the Democrats must simply must do the same in order to um, retain survive. They have to pack the courts. They have to end the filibuster. They have to. Yes. And they they could if they expanded voting rights and, and put, you know, a handful of pretty simple, widely popular policies in place. There would never be a Republican majority ever the fuck again. But you know what's crazy is like, are the checks and balancing really checking each other and balancing? We've essentially set up Mm. an executive branch that could become a functioning autocracy. Like the executive branch has so much power right now. Like crazy. And Trump just exploited that, right? 
you know he showed it, was, it. he yeah, showed it to he, us right in our face right and that was set up you know um and i actually think the film vice does a really nice job of kind of setting up how the bush administration with their legal teams did a really nice job of setting up whoever the next republican to assume power to be to have kind of this unchecked unbridled power and ability to uh yeah, to do whatever they want. There's such a like high off of the president not the president not being Trump that I feel like as a collective has like not just because we feel so good that Trump isn't president doesn't mean we forget the lessons we've learned. Right? But what uh. are the lessons learned is the question, right? Cuz like, right, for of so course. many libs, I feel like you know, the lesson was like, Mr. Trump is bad man. <laughs> Racism is back because Mr. Trump. Uh -huh. Like, Trump caused... I think there's a lot of liberals that you would find that think that, like, Trump is, like, the singular cause for the last few, like years right. of racial turmoil in this country and he certainly was an agitator but i think but people are beast, quick to forget that the like, system yeah that like ferguson was like under obama and under like a black ag mm-hmm mm -hmm. this started way 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 back this right. is not new this is big this is history this is we can't even start at ferguson don't start at ferguson start at selma don't even start at selma Start at Dred Scott. Don't even, right. you know, don't even start right. at Dred Scott. But I mean, start at Liberia. Like, you know what I right. mean? Don't 16, even start 19. there. Like, yeah. Let's, let's, let's look at, let's look at it. Niggas been fed up for a while. It's just like, it just, it, I'm not like, it just gets brought to attention in spurts throughout uh -huh. history, I mm -hmm. guess. I, I say. Sure. But I mean, I if you look agree. at it, if you look at it though, like people have been saying the same messages, like, yeah. Since NWA fucked the police, like people have been trying to like people have been making art crying cries for help, boys in the hood. And you, people have been saying shit is fuck. Right. Yeah. Crack all of that. Like, yeah, <laughs> they did that. <laughs> like, we know they did that. Do you think that and and this is a question I guess for the room, and and I think this is the thing that I'm I, I think I I may have not clearly hit, but I think I was trying to circle is like I think that the election and the presidency of Obama allowed a lot of white people to erase the history prior to 2008 or, or, or um, dampen it in some ways. Because mm -hmm. I do agree with you that, like, this isn't a thing that started with Ferguson. People have been mad, you know, the, the Clinton era, the Reagan era. You, you referenced the crack epidem epidemic, uh -huh. obviously. Um, but I think, like... What's really important to note is that when people, I think, were talking this summer about the Black Lives Matter movement, I think a lot of people had short-term memory on it and were, like, acting like this movement was something that emerged under the Trump administration and under this reemergence and this re-emboldening on a national level of white supremacy and these kind of white nationalist ideas, like, where they're at the forefront. They're not as hidden as, say, like some of the, like, Clinton and some of these others, like, have been able to do. Like, the crime bill, in retrospect, very blatantly is racist, though I don't think there was a lot of dust kicked up at the time about that issue, if right. I'm not mistaken. Right. 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 And so I right. think, like, people are acting I, like... I agree. Yeah, people are acting like this is all, like, this new shit, and I'm like, you know, like, there was still these massive fucking racial disparities with the police under Obama, and, like, mm. he he was not able to deliver and mm -hmm. satisfy upon the calls that the Black Lives Matter movement 
had. In fact, a lot of those activists, like, through mysterious circumstances, like, fucking wound up dead. Who knows what happens to them? Yeah, and who knows? And nobody knows. And again, there who were knows? no answers for any of that, even under, like, under, uh, under Eric Holder and under, and under Obama, you know? Yeah. And it's oh, all feeding well. capitalism. Yep. Man, the, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the black get blacker. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Yep. And, you know. Love that capitalism. He's so great, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Boys, yeah. anything else this week? Uh, um, love him, you know. Yeah, it was it was a tough week, and um, you know, looking for yeah. I think we'd be. Oh, I think we'd yeah. Be... I think we would be remiss not to uh, talk a little bit about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You give me one sec. Yeah. Yes. We yeah. about what happened in Georgia this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I touched it a bit, a bit just, about it on a, the kind of like the monologue at the top of the show, but I, I would love to. And that was great. Both your boys' great, perspectives. Great monologue, Harrison. Oh, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you listen to the episode. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. it, it's kind of like what we were talking about about you know the 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 absolute failure of America to look at itself in the mirror and its history. And these things that you're saying, Harrison, it's not a virus. These things are deep in the DNA of America. And without, without actually changing it on, on a systemic policy level, you know, what is going to change? Especially as things are getting opening up, like it's scary, you know? And like this will, yeah, it's scary. Just, the sheer boldness of it all and the sheer like audacity mm. of the crime and of the response by the sheriff's department to the crime. By the media. Calling it <sighs> by the media. Yeah. Of the, the, the amount of, of articles that I've seen trying to semi pseudo sympathize, rationalize what this man did and and frame it through the eyes of uh, a, a violent incel who was mad that he was having and he was horny that's what they urges. tried to be like they, i'm sorry to say like and i don't mean Oops, to belittle he was horny i, I really do not mean to belittle sexual addiction but i do mean to like point to like how ridiculous it is for the cops to be like mm. Oh, he got too horny and he couldn't deal with it. He was having a bad day. It's like, what the fuck? You baby scum. The cops, though. Like, that's the police. And, you know, it's ACAB for a reason. When most people I know get horny, they rub one out. You feel me? Like, they they deal with that in a manner that is not... (laughs) destructive like you know like yes I, and it's also I not don't really believe we can sit here and... <sighs> go ahead i'm just saying like and it's also not like 
And you also don't like, so, so one of the things that was really struck me, and, and I think where I'm getting really upset these days is like, I, there was a lot of emphasis placed four years ago on the importance of the role of the media. And the media is failing left mm-hmm. and right in the way they've handled the Biden administration and the way they are handling this right now. I mean, the fact that um, the most accurate reporting has come from Korean um, media a Korean language media because they were able to speak to the people who were in there who were able to corroborate that the um, the gunman said that he wanted to kill all Asians and that has not been reported by any mainstream US like English speaking um, publications or if it has it's been reported secondhand from that source is despicable you know that's how this yeah. shit continues to happen is that the media comes out here for three days and as a head start to say like it was a, a guy who was too horny and he went to go kill sex workers or whatever and like very questionable about the business practices or whatever you know demonizing bullshit they have to say and uh it turns out that like this guy, if you just had been able to have somebody who spoke the language on fucking site or you had read the other publications, you would know this man very clearly was making racially motivated speech the entire time. Yeah. Anyway, just fucking so net. The whole thing is so negligent and disgusting. And like, I'm yeah. Yeah. We gotta call a spade a spade. We cannot, we cannot, we are no longer in a place where we can continue to move through life excusing, uh, rationalizing, justifying, because that's how we allow it to grow. Right. That's how it festers. Like, like what other country do you know that, that this happens like this in this kind of frequency? You feel me? Corona time? Okay, so like shit was locked down. People were locked down. There weren't really many mass gatherings, so you know people couldn't, you know, do mass killings, mass shootings. But just the the fact alone that it was a mass a mass murder, like mass murder, why is that so common, so commonplace that we are not even like we're numb to it? Yeah, like, we're numb to it. Like people pulse? are not phased by it. Dude, we never got. I was telling Johnny this earlier. We never found out what happened in the biggest mass shooting in U.S. history. That just got like everybody was like, "Guess he was kind of a weird dude who was by himself." And we never learned about why how five hundred people got shot in Las Vegas. There were never, never. That's so wild. We never like you know what I mean, like the Dylan roofs and like the just the. uh, what is going on? What is what is going on that is making these people think that that is the way? Yeah. Well, they're because empowered they're by people, a system that tells them it's okay because there's no and, consequence. Because there's no consequence. And people, people who have been historically disenfranchised and shat on by life, society, and everything else, aren't aren't turning to that as the final solution. Yeah, they're, they're trying. They may turn to solutions that aren't, you know, the greatest. Drugs, alcohol, legal. Violence, you yeah. feel me? But I, I just don't. I just don't get it. What is going on? What is radicalizing these young white men like this? What is what is really the cause? Like, because we can say Trump. But that's too easy. It's yeah. We can say well, the just... internet, but I've been on the internet. I've been on some of the darkest corners. I used to. I was a four chan kid growing up. I used to troll that 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 fucking <laughs> uh, 
perform like it was my like job. And you know, like you see some of it there, but where did it, where does it start? What is the seed? What is the spark? The hopelessness of capitalism. And, and the promise of white supremacy. And the promise of America and the fact that it's founded on this idea of white supremacy and that like, therefore, because you are endowed with this holy gift of living on this land as a white person, like you As are, a white male. Yeah. That you are entitled to these things. And well, that's and the fucking deep-seated Which literally lie. It, it's literally stated like that in the Constitution as right. well. Yep. Yeah. Like, you are entitled to these liberties of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, entitlement is, is, is written into the Constitution, into the seed, into the seed. So, I mean, we can't be surprised when people act entitled. Right. It was written on the wall. It was written on the wall hundreds of years before us. Right. That shit's wild to think about, bro. It's wild. Yeah. How fucking shit from hundreds of years ago is still having major ripple effects in our society today. Today, yep. And we feel like it's the most holy thing ever. You know, we feel like these writings written by a bunch of fucking white men in a room are these like With a quill. And like think we think these like will work now. And in fact, they're not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking just about <laughs> I'm talking about fuck the constitution. But obviously our our hearts and our our feelings and then and then everything is with the the API community and uh, and with Atlanta and with Georgia and the rest of the country mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know boys until next week <sighs> till next week until next week America <laughs> we'll catch you next Ain't time this America. has been we'll see you all next time next day see you later bye This is your brain on drugs, this is your brain on drugs, Tommy Pickle.
Yeah, I'll have a number two. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Can, uh, uh, I'll have a number two. Can you speak up? I'll have a number two. A three? A number three? Ah! Actually, if you think about it, like all the Pixar movies are like, taking place in one universe, and actually, actually the animals are sentient. You think about it. The animals are sentient. You think about it. Think of your childhood better. Mommy, Mommy, I have to say this has been the best birthday. That's the best pepperoni I ever eaten. Sprite? Oh, sorry, Dr. Pepper. Oh, 23 flavors? One, two, three. I just wanted an MRI. <laughs>
All right, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of this little mini-series called Talkin' Oscars, where we, every week, are going to sit down with maybe some of the same guests, maybe some different guests, and talk about the films nominated for Best Picture at this year's 93rd Beautiful Academy Awards, also known as the Oscars. And this week, joining me to talk about two films, it's Kate from Spooky Show and uh, from previous iterations of this show she's appeared and also uh, from being my beautiful partner, Kate. Welcome to Supermind Exploder 2.0. Aw, thank you. First of all, I love being your partner. Second of all, I love the new format of this show. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I think it's so great. I mean, I, I tell you this all the time, but I'm just very proud of Harrison. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, and you know who else we should be proud of? The wonderful folks involved with making the two films we're going to talk about today. You are correct. I, I guess we should open up by recapping what are the very films that are nominated this year. So for Best Picture this year, we have The Sound of Metal, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and Nomadland. And... Of course, Nomadland. All right. Uh, and so today we are going to be focusing on two of those movies, A Promising Young Woman, which is directed by Emerald Fennel, uh, and The Sound of Metal, which is directed by Darius Martyr. Uh, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I'll, we'll talk about the Oscars first. I'm okay. not really a big believer in like the Oscars themselves, but I do try to watch the movies every year that get nominated for Best Picture because like, you know, I don't think the Oscars are the end-all be-all, but I definitely do think that, like, there's some merit to, like, having your film be nominated for the best picture at the Academy Awards. And, like, those movies are, genu like, generally pretty good. Like, you know, just watching oh, yeah. past ones, they are good movies. Um, but I agree that I don't think it's, like, oh, it got an Oscar. It's, like, the best. That means it's the best movie ever to happen that year. But Except for Parasite. Well, yeah, Parasite was... Well, last year was fucked up because, like, Parasite won, which was, like, a good good call. But they yeah. didn't even nominate Uncut Gems for no. anything. And Adam Sandler got snubbed. Sandler did... At, the Sandman did absolutely get snubbed. Yeah, so that's, you know, I don't hold merit to that. Like, I think that was a big mess up. But, um, the like, the movies that win generally are pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. Mm -hmm. And I would say that both the films that we watched... In the last week that we're going to talk about today, I would say we're both pretty good. Really good. And I... Where should we start? Maybe Sound of Metal, because we watched that one first. Cool. So The Sound of Metal um, is directed and written by Darius Martyr. It stars... Uh, Ri Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed, right. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. I was... I wanted to be 100% sure, mm -hmm. but yes. Riz Ahmed, who is, of course, nominated... For best actor. Yeah, and honestly, everything I've ever seen him in, he is so freaking good. He's absolutely fantastic. We were talking when we watched the movie about how exciting it was to see him, um, like outside of like I always associate him with Nightcrawler, right? Because he was in he was that. a Nightcrawler. I associate him with the Night of. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he plays uh, a heavy metal drummer, uh, a former addict or a now sober recovering addict. Uh, who, during a gig, realizes that he's starting to lose his hearing. And 
is told by the doctors that this loss is permanent. And it's basically about him coping with both sobriety and with losing his hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I thought it was a really beautiful movie. I thought it was wonderfully acted. I thought it was uh, a movie that is the first time since... Have you ever seen Zero Dark Thirty? I don't think so. It's the movie that's like sort of about the Bin Laden raid. Mm-hmm. But I might have, but I can't recall. It's the first movie since that that I've seen that I'm like, oh, the sound design in this is so unreal. You felt like in the scenes where like, so you are kind of in his uh, brain when he like realizes he's going deaf and he like can't hear and you like feel it too with the sound design, like just like the low pitches and everything. Yeah, so they do a really nice job of, like, shifting in and out of soundscapes. So, like, you'll be in a scene and you'll be experiencing, uh, you'll be experiencing, like, completely, like, what the, what the sound would sound like to someone who wasn't experiencing hearing loss. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, the tones will start to shift. Like, the high, will start to, like, really kick through, or you'll start to hear this drone, and then all of a sudden, the sound will kind of, like, warp into this... Yeah, like what he's hearing. Yeah, and it's... I mean, I thought it was incredible. I uh, I imagine, from what I've read a bit about the movie after, that it's pretty accurate, that they did a pretty good job. Do you know what I liked most about it, too, was that it was, like... Wasn't that movie, like, two hours and 20 minutes or something? Let me look at the runtime right now. I think it was, like... Let me look at the runtime right now. Uh, It was about two hours and 10 minutes. Right. It's a long So we were, like, uh, like, well, Harrison... I mean, I can talk about this. I I don't like movies. I don't like long-ass movies. Like, I think most movies can be, like, one hour and 45 minutes or two hours, and Mm -hmm. you can get the job done. Now, 210... That's fine because you got to include the credits, right? So like the credits are yeah, probably yeah, like and 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 like you watch them, you just got to prepare. Like I okay, I'm sitting down and watching this long movie. Yes, yeah, so I just have a short attention. Span. It was I did not feel like it was that long at all. Like the pacing was really good, and I was like enthralled like the whole whole time, just wanting to see what would happen next. Yeah, I thought, and I also thought that like they did a really nice job of like telling what is. A really small story in a pretty epic feeling way, you mm-hmm. know, like this is a really simple story about one guy uh, who's experiencing hearing loss and the movie yet feels like a grand epic journey that when you get to the end, spoiler alert, jump 15 seconds, he kind of gets peace after everything he's been through and finds his yeah. stillness. Uh, welcome back. You feel really rewarded. It's a really satisfying kind of heartwarming ending. Well, I wanted to ask you about the ending because, so I talked to like some coworkers about the movie and several of them said they didn't like the ending. Wait, really? Yeah. I thought the ending was true to life. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. Like I'm going to chill thinking about it. I actually think I should just put an addendum on this. Check the timestamps up in the uh, description if you want to jump out and miss spoilers for this movie or for Promising Young Woman. Um, jump this section if you haven't seen either of those mm-hmm. movies so that we can just have free reign to spoil all day. Yeah. And so consider this your last warning. We are going to be spoiling <laughs> Sound of Metal and The Promising Young Woman. If you haven't watched those movies or if you care about spoilers, go ahead and jump ahead from uh, the timestamp to the next section uh, yeah. up top. Okay. Anyway, so the end of the movie. Yes. Yeah, so I, like I said, thought it was beautiful. And should, should we, do, let's talk about what happens at the end of the movie. So yeah. he goes to a rehab center and essentially at the very end, uh, 
he ends up getting the money after selling everything, giving everything away in his life. He gets these cochlear implants um, that will help him hear. He believes that he's going to hear like completely normal crystal clear. And it turns out that like because of the actual device that of the cochlear, like it doesn't create that sound. It creates a replica of what hearing would sound like. Mm-hmm. So you don't get your crystal clear back. You get kind of like this, like these distorted waves. It almost sounds like uh, like son- like sonar. Yeah, and the people sound almost like robotic. Yeah, so you're just kind of catching up like little pickup clips. Maybe I'll drop a clip in of of somebody doing uh, of what it sounds like with cochlear implants right now. What kind of bait do you use to catch salmon? What kind of bait do you use to catch salmon? And so he then, I mean, like, it's really like, it's really, really sad that he like, you know, sold everything and, you know, like spent all this money to get that. And it turned out not what he was imagining and it didn't sound and it didn't sound better. I don't know. The movie is the same message kind of actually that ultimately like 12 step has, which is like peace, acceptance. Mm-hmm gratitude because ultimately at the end of the movie despite going through all this really to get the woman he loves and his band back together um and he realizes that's not going to be possible uh he really has to do the thing that he's supposed to be working on in his sobriety right which is like finding this peace this Mm -hmm moment of stillness and of peace and i thought that the end of the movie was actually really hopeful yeah and it was him like almost finding it and being hopeful that he will find his peace right i actually interpreted it as him like really finding it of realizing well and you said it best like this this idea and it's you know a testament to the filmmaker um you know it's this implication that it is just around the corner this peace that he's kind of seeking and about the end what i liked is when him and his girlfriend broke up yep, because he noticed he was triggering her anxieties and yeah. he like, it was like without saying like, okay, like I'm going to go, this is over. 
Absolutely. I thought that was really beautiful too. Me too. Yeah, I I thought this was a really wonderful film. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was original. I thought it told a story that that doesn't really get told very often, especially, um, you know, I think there's definitely been stories about the the hard of hearing community, but I actually really don't think that like, there's been a lot about someone who where it's like connected directly to their passion. Or one that's Oscar nominated. Or one that's Oscar nominated, correct. Whole other issue, but like that, yeah, I mean, it is, it is different. Like it is original, I mean. Yeah, and I'm just happy that it's not a movie about, like, fucking a fish, like, Shape of Water. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, the movie was okay. Yeah, I thought this movie was really was really wonderful, and uh, you should check it out. It's available on Amazon Prime. Yes, it's really good. Like, definitely worth the money to rent it, because I think you had to pay for it. I don't think so. I think it's an Amazon, oh. like, original movie, so they... Oh, well, if you, do, if you do have to pay for anything, just pay for it. Like, it's, it's Well, this it. next one you will have to pay for. Mm-hmm. And this next one, I would say, is 100% worth it because this movie, Promising Young Woman, um, by Emerald Fennell, I think is her name. She got Best Director, too, for she this. She sure did, and I believe Best Screenplay. And Carrie got... And Carrie Mulligan is yeah. nominated for Best Actress, yes. Yeah, so it's, nom- it's five, I think it got five nominations. Uh, that sounds right. Um, I very well could be wrong about that. I might be thinking of Judas and the Black Messiah. Well, let me but, do a quick little peek. Um, did the director for... Yeah, Sh- five, you're correct. Oh, cool, okay. Did the director for Sound of Metal get a nomination? Uh, I do believe so. Let me check to be 100% certain. Beep, 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 beep. I'm doing lifetime searching. <laughs> I'm doing lifetime, lifetime, lifetime searching. searching. I actually don't know. Uh, I think it just got sound design and best picture. Yeah, I do not actor. think, I do not think he got. Uh, okay. I do not think so. No, does not seem to be so. Okay. That seems like it would be a big, uh. It seems like it would be a big uh, news story under his name, you know? Okay, back to Promising Young Woman. Back to Promising Young Woman. <laughs> you had, you've watched this now twice. Yeah, it's so good. It is so good. It's probably like, well, so my favorite movie ever is Jennifer's Body, and it heavily gave me Jennifer's Body vibes. It's like just, almost referencing it at times. I mean, like literally yeah. by having Adam Brody be in the movie, I was like, oh, you guys are referencing... Jennifer's body. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it's definitely um, less violent in a way, less gory, I will say. Um, but it totally reminded me of Jennifer's body, but like more, I want to say like drawn out and obviously a clearer message and yeah, a more so, impactful message. Right. So this movie is like a very, I'll come back to, I want to talk about the tone in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of give a brief synopsis of what this film's about. This movie is a, it is a revenge. Uh, it's a revenge movie about a girl whose best friend in college was uh, a sexually, it was raped by a, a group of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ruined her life and drove her to suicide. And since then, Carrie Mulligan's character who was her best friend, who also dropped out of school to help her, et cetera, et cetera, has been on a war path to get vengeance on 
men. So she basically pulls this ruse. At the beginning of the movie, you meet her pulling this kind of ruse where she goes to bars and pretends to be so fucked up she can't stand up. And of course, these many and a brilliant choice um, on the director and, and writer, um, Declan, Declan, Declan? Emerald, sorry. Emerald. Um, on, she on Emerald wrote, Fennell's choice. She wrote, um, um, and directed? Yes. Okay. Um, Emerald Fennell's choice in this movie to make all of the men that she is kind of, and ends up pulling these ruses on that were shown are all kind of these archetypes of nice guys. Oh, yeah. Um, and the movie kind of escalates from there. And that's the basic premise of this movie. Now, you know what's interesting? When I first saw the trailer, I thought she was like killing these men. Me too. Yeah. She's really just like scaring the shit out of them. Yeah. I mean, to everyone, because you see it happen like with the other people she's targeting that were involved with her best friend's rape. Yep. And I thought what was really brilliant about this movie is the tone. Mm-hmm. Like above above all the other above all the other points it makes, um, you know, I think number one, this is a movie that is is designed to make all men feel squeamish and squirm, very uncomfortable, which we love, which we love. Um, I think, and that's again a testament to like the casting. I mean, the, all the men, these kind of creepy men, are played by these like the many nice character actor men of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So it's like Adam Brody, you've got uh, Christopher Mintz-Plasse in there, you got Bo Burnham in there. Uh, uh, Jake, Jake Johnson, Jake's James Johnson, the guy from New Girl. Oh, Max Greenfield. Max Greenfield. Yeah. Um, doing a very funny and very piece of shit appearance in this movie. Yeah. Um, and yet the entire time your stomach is like turning, like mm-hmm. it's a very fun movie, but it's also like one of the most disturbing movies. Well, I've seen it's in like you know these guys who take who she target. Um, who target her acting. Who target her yeah. and she and she tricks. Yeah. Like they it's like very subtle. This is gonna set me on a whole rant. Do in it. the way that like it's very subtle in the way that it's not they don't like I wanna say like full on sexually assault her, but they're they're going to. Like they're, they're not, their plan is to do that. No, I mean and like she does get assaulted. I mean Adam Brody like Pulls off her underwear while yes. she's unconscious and starts, like, touching her. Right. And, like, but all these guys don't think they're doing anything wrong. And it brings me back to, like, the Aziz Ansari thing where, right. like. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's people, a very apt comparison. Yeah, where pe- where it was, like, you know, uh, this article, one of my favorite articles ever, ever called, like, Don't Worry, It Wasn't That Bad, is, like, uh-huh. how, you know, stuff like that was happening to Carrie Mulligan in that movie is so. Like every girl knows it. Every girl's been through it to the point where it's so normalized and you're like, yeah, this happened, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Like people get, you know, sure. People get done like way worse to them, way worse to them. And it's like, that was like happening throughout that whole movie where it was like, you watch the horror of how mundane it is, you know, just how normal, like something like, I mean, something like the Christopher Mintz plus interaction which is just like at the beginning of that, they're just like hanging, doing drugs. And it's a really wonderful example of how like she very clearly in the ruse that she pulls, she has a very clear turning point where she's like, oh, I'm, I'm actually now like truly too fucked up. And he starts trying to revive her. Like starts trying yeah. to be like, so he thinks have some he's water a good so that guy he can fuck her. Because so he, he woke can, her like, up. Yes, exactly. But also 
it's it's, su- it's subtle oh too. God. Like the points, you know, like so something random that like triggered me was when he was like, "Why do you girls wear so much makeup? You look so much better natural." Like, yeah, just complete absolute, yeah, horse shit. Um, I'm, another thing I really liked, and it's something that you pointed out when we watched the movie, mm-hmm. um, is the color palette. Oh, the colors are the best part. The the scenes in the coffee shop and like uh, her the wig at the end, and her nails, and like also interesting is her outfits too because she dresses like a child throughout the entire movie, right. like ribbons in her hair and pretty dresses. And well, she's stuff. very ageless, weirdly throughout. Yeah. I was telling you after I was like, I actually am very confused by like how the varying different ages that she looks throughout the film, because mm-hmm. she's supposed to be portraying, 30. she turns 30 yeah. during the course of the film, and she looks everywhere from, like, 18 to mid-30s throughout yeah. the movie, just depending on how she's made up or the different ways that she's, like, going about pulling these scams at the same bars, you know? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was, I want, the last thing I want to talk about with this movie, uh, and I think it's actually more of a warning for anybody, um, mm-hmm. is that the last yeah. sequence in this film, the act of violence perpetrated against the woman is like one of the most fucking graphic, brutal, and real things I've probably ever seen. And I'll say this is like what links back. It's like the mundacity that you feel throughout the entire mm-hmm. movie, right? It's again something like in Sound of Metal. This is actually a very... When you look at it at its, on its surface, this is a very small story as well. This is about one woman who is hyper fixated on this to the point that it literally kills her. And almost everyone else in her life is either completely unaware that this is going on, begging her to stop, or, ignor- or, or like ignorant to it, knows it's going on and is ignoring it. Um, and I just really appreciated in this film and to, in closing, Sound of Metal, uh, these were two stories, and I'm very much looking forward to the other ones, and I hope you'll join us on the show to talk about mm-hmm. the other Oscar films. But I'm really enjoying how much um, the stories that it seems to be focused on seem to be in the realm of Parasite, which are, sim- which are stories about people that kind of have these like small scopes but feel epic. I mean, Parasite's a movie about two families. Right. Yeah. You know, this is a movie about one woman and then Santa Metal's a movie about one man. Right. And going back to like, you know, what we were saying with Santa Metal, like these are stories that like don't get told often. Well, this so, one certainly Yeah, not no, like it, this. no, not like this. So it's like real exciting that, you know, they're they're nominated and appreciated by others as much as we've really appreciated them. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask, and I'm going to try to ask at the end of every segment, um, of the two movies, which one would you give Best Picture to that we've reviewed thus far? Oh, that's hard. Okay, so as much as I love Promising Young Woman, I think Sound of Metal deserves it. Because of the feat of filmmaking? Yeah. That's interesting. I was going to say Promising Young Woman because it excited me, which is like what <sighs> yeah. Parasite did, but... And didn't, I don't think, really change the form, even though, like, for American audiences who are fucking dunces, like, reading the, reading the subtitles, like, is a huge change of art form for them, you know? Um, but, yeah, I actually think that right now um, may change literally next week to sound. I mean, to, I like Promising Young Woman better. Like, I like that you like movie it better, better. But you would but give I Best think, Picture. I think Sound of Metal would, is probably one would get it if it were just those two. Woman. And, yeah, I think... Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it sounded metal. Cool. Well, Kate, thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you'll come back and join us for another edition of Oscar Talk. Of course. I really want to watch Minari. Me too, and I really want to watch Nomadland, and I really want to watch Shoes in the Black Messiah. We got some work to do. Um, And for everybody at home, thanks for listening. Let us know what you think about these two movies or any of the Oscar movies this year. We'll see you next week on Oscar Talk. Thank you, Kate. Bye. Gentlemen, JC. organizations to highlight that are making the world a better place the two we chose this week are pretty obvious the first is asian americans advancing justice atlanta uh 
they are the first and only nonprofit legal advocacy organization dedicated to protecting the civil rights of Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, and Pacific Islanders in Georgia and the Southeast. The second is the Center for Pan-Asian Community Services, and they are a nonprofit organization located in Atlanta, Georgia. Their mission is to promote self-sufficiency and equality for immigrants, refugees, and the underprivileged through, through comprehensive health and social services, capacity building, and advocacy. And you can find links to their websites in the description. Thank you very much. Hey, special thanks to everybody who helped us out this week. From me, Johnny and Emmanuel, this has been Super Mind Exploder. Be sure to check the description for all the links. Thank you to Kate, aka Bubbly Queen. Listen to Spooky Show. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Get your fucking vaccines. I love you. This has been another issue of Super Mind Exploder. Bye.